Well, welcome Thorn Creek Church. So excited to be here. I'm so excited about this message. And welcome all of you who are online. Uh, let me share an exciting announcement. We have our Feed 5000 that's coming up in November. This is a time when we love on a whole bunch of people. Loving on, I think it's just over 20 schools now. And uh, we feed a whole bunch of families. We're actually feeding close to 6,000 people this November. And our goal at Thorn Creek was to reach 200 boxes. And here's where we're at right now 204 so praise the lord we are done if you are one of these people who just wait to give you know you know, you know who you are when you're out at lunch and dinner you intentionally wait to see if they bring up paying for it first you know who you are okay if that's you then uh, there's still room we have a lot more boxes to sponsor so you can still uh you can still sponsor a sponsor box 30 dollars and go to feed5000.gives if you're watching online go to feed5000.gives and it's a great way to love on people. So thank you, thank you, Thorn Creek. You guys are awesome, amazing. It's the best church ever. So appreciate you so much. Yeah, praise the Lord. It's okay. Thank you, thank you. Well, let's pray, guys, and we're going to jump into this message here. Uh, God, thank you for your grace and your love. I'm so grateful for your unfailing love, Lord. I'm so grateful that nothing can separate us from your love, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor suffering, or anything else in this world. That's overwhelming to me, God. And now, Lord, I just pray that you move uh, like only you can move uh, in this message, God. Thank you, Lord, for opening my eyes to this subject uh, called grief. And Lord, I, I see so much of it in your word, and I just want to do, do my part, Lord, just to be an open vessel for you to speak. I pray every person who's in the house, in person, I pray they hear a word from you, God that sets them free. It just sets them free, Lord, in a way they didn't expect, Lord. I pray that every person who's watching online right now hears a word from you, God, that stops them in their tracks, just stops them in their tracks. And they recognize it's a voice, it's a word from you, Lord, and I pray it's life-changing, transformational. So Lord, use me again in a way that's disproportionate to who I am. Pour your Holy Spirit here. We need, I need your oil, Lord, your anointing oil over my head. So anoint me just like you did with Samuel and so many others, Lord, that, that, that you used. And God, open up hearts, minds, tear down walls of stubbornness and pride. And Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the way you're blessing this church. Thank you for the good people that attend this church online and in person. And those who serve so faithfully here, God, every week, our volunteers, our ministry partners, thank you, Lord, for them. And those who give, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the givers in the house. So in, your, in the name of Jesus, we pray all this. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord. Let's say it again. Let everything that has breath, Praise the Lord. So every, uh, before I preach, I was just noticing this. This is not in the notes here, guys. But I read a passage out of Isaiah, and uh, Isaiah chapter 61, and I read verses 1, 2, and 3. I have my own private time with God, and I, I do that. And there is a, a verse in verse 2. It says, 
And this is the spirit of the Lord. Uh, let me the spirit of the Lord come upon me because the Lord is anointing me to bring the good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the broken. Look at this. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Have you ever considered that the spirit of the Lord's job is to bind up the brokenhearted? To proclaim, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable of the, of the year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. That's the job of the Spirit of the Lord. He desires to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Isn't that beautiful, guys? God, God uh, he, just, he just wants to lift us up. Today's sermon is how to work through grief. How to work through grief. Truth is, this was uh, our, our expansion ministries director, uh, Kaylee Villarreal. This was her idea for, for us to tackle this subject. And I'm so glad we did. I'm so glad. I feel like the Lord just used her to bring this up. But how do you work through grief? How do you work through grief? You might have your own way of working through grief. You might withdraw. You might turn to some kind of addiction. You might hit the bar. Uh, how do you work through grief? When things happen in your life, what do you do? Uh, what do you do? Um, there's some things. Uh, Denver right now is experiencing some grief. So let me just show you what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are still living in the days of John Elway. Like, like it just happened yesterday. Like we, Denver Broncos just won the championship a year ago, and you're still stuck in the past. And you look at these two guys. I like, incidentally, Eli Manning said this. He said, they should have paid that punter $235 million instead of Russell Wilson. I think that's harsh. That's really, he, he's my brother. You know that, right, guys? He's my brother. And I have exciting news to share with everyone. This is breaking news, so you may not be aware of this. You're hearing about this first at Thorn Creek church we have a brand new quarterback and here's a picture of him guys right here um this is a uh, rico uh, some of you don't know what i'm doing what i'm talking about <laughs> His name's Rico. Look it up. All right. What is grief? What is grief? It's a natural response to loss. I think we should just start with there. Grief is a natural response to loss. And a lot of times when we associate we think about grief, we connect it with the grave. But it's not always connected to the grave. It could be a loss of anything. It could be a loss of a job. You're grieving over the loss of a job, a loss of a friendship, a loss of a guy that you were dating or a girl that you were dating. It could be a marriage that just kind of went south. It could be the death of a pet. Anybody ever cry over the death of your pet? I cried over the death of my dog. Uh, my dog, Diego, was my dog. And Caddy's not even in the same you know, stratosphere of that dog, but it's all right. It might be the change of a new job, or moving to a new home, or moving away from home, or a relationship breakup, or, or, or it might be the loss of a physical ability, or the loss of financial stability, or a wayward child, right? Parents, hello. Or a wayward spouse, or a wayward friend. And you grieve over the decisions they're making, or personal choices, or how about this? Sin that you committed. And you grieve and you think, how in the world, why did I make that decision? So there's many, many, many ways that we grieve. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes. Here's some words. I'm about to drop some wisdom here right here, guys. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything, there's a season. 
A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be what, church? To be born. And a time to what? Die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. That's right. Here it is. A time to what? Time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. So you see this and Solomon reminds us there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything in life. There's a time for everything. As a pastor, as a pastor, um, I have seen so many families in their high times and their low times. One day, I'll never forget, I, had, I, I, over, I officiated a memorial service, and it was just what you would expect. There were tears. People were grieving. And it was a beautiful service, and, and, and families came together. And, and that same day, I went to the hospital to go pray over a newborn baby. Same day. A time to die and a time to be born. Two different rooms. The room in the hospital, there was laughter and celebration and joy. And the first room, there was grieving. And we were reflecting on the life. Grief is natural. Grief is natural. Think about this. God created you with tear ducts. Everyone has tear ducts. Don't worry about the person you think, well, I never see him cry. Oh, he cries. In fact, he may have cried so much he doesn't want to cry anymore. That may be the case. In fact, when you were born, the doctor wanted to make sure you were human. So what did he do? Slapped you on the bottom, right? <laughs> Until you started crying. And because you were crying, that was evidence you're alive. God created everyone with tear ducts. And grieving happens to everyone. Happens to everyone. In the Bible, you see examples all over the place of grieving. Ezra mourned the grief. He grieved over the sins of his people. Nehemiah mourned because the walls of Jerusalem had come down. Abraham mourned over Sarah's life, his wife. Jacob mourned for many days for his, the supposed death of his dad, Joseph. David lamented for Absalom, and Joseph mourned for seven days for his father. Jacob was such a great man that Egypt mourned for Jacob. For 70 days mourned for him. I'm in, my, in my personal devotions, I'm in Deuteronomy right now. Actually, I just finished Deuteronomy. One of the last chapters in Deuteronomy is chapter 34, verse 8. says this, The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for, for how many days? 30 days. Until the customary period of mourning was over. You know, among the Hebrews, a public mourning never exceeded 30 days. Moses is arguably the greatest prophet that ever lived. And here you see Israel for 30 days mourning this man. If you were to look at Jewish custom today, guys, they have a custom right now that I say right now, it's been around for a long time. It's known as the Shiva, which means seven. And what they do is they come together with a person who has just uh, the family member who's, who's just died, and, and they're with, uh, typically the Shiva happens if, there's a, if, there's a, if it's the death of a brother, a sister, a husband, a daughter, they're that close family. And, and what they do for seven days is they come together with the person who's still alive. And for seven days, they sit with them. In fact, in fact uh, they have specific instructions about the, the Shiva. 
when you enter the room with the person who's lost their life, you say nothing. You only speak when they speak to you. The other thing about this is you always sit down at a low place. You know, have you ever heard that phrase, like, I'm just feeling low? Well, literally, they show that by sitting low. And they intentionally sit low, um, even lower than the person who's mourning. And they mourn over the, the life of this, of this person who died. They cover up the mirrors in, in, in the house. So, that, so there's no question about who they should be looking at. They don't want to look at the, the reflection of their own life. Instead, they want all the focus to be on the one who, who, who is dead. That's the Shiva. And they have other instructions, like, like you're not to take a bath or a shower during these seven days. You're not to shave. You're not to cut your hair. Uh, you're not to uh, use any kind of cosmetics. Um, you are to be there and mourn with the person who had passed away. That's the Shiva. It's a beautiful picture of someone coming alongside someone else and, 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 uh, and loving on them and, and sitting down with them. There's something about practicing the presence of Christ. Sometimes we think when someone goes through hard times, we need to show up and our job is to just share some words of advice and wisdom. And sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just shut up and just sit with them and just be present with them. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, says this, bear one another's burdens and thereby, therefore, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Romans says, rejoice with those who rejoice and, and what? And weep with those who weep. You know, in our, in our culture, uh, right, we don't do the Shiva, you know, in America. We, we don't go and sit down typically. And if we do, it's, it's really a short time. And maybe it's just for family. And maybe somebody gets some barbecue or something like that. And they get together and say, hey, good to see you. I'm sorry under the circumstances. Right, we haven't seen each other. But, good. you know, we have that whole thing. But it's not the Shiva. It's a little bit different. We typically come together and maybe it's a memorial service or whatever kind of service it is. And, and then the family goes somewhere and, and, and then, the, you know, after some punch and cookies, people kind of get on with their life a little bit. I always find that interesting how quickly we move on after punch and cookies. Just how quickly we move on. I remember I've had, I have so many memories of doing memorial services. One of them, I was at a memorial service, and it was full of pastors and leaders from the denomination, and, and the Lord stirred my heart and said, Reuben, I want you to talk about Jesus. I want you to lead someone to Christ. I want you to invite someone to know Jesus. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, yeah, this is the wrong crowd. This is the wrong crowd. All of them can preach. All of them can preach. You know, God knows more than you. God knows way more than you. God knows more than me. I went ahead and gave an invitation. I said, there's somebody here who needs to turn back to Jesus. And at the end of the service, it was for a missionary friend. At the end of the service, the son of that missionary came to me and said, that was me. And I came back today. Wow. Another time I did one, I, I, I have memories of, of uh, well, my grandmother. When I officiated my grandmother's service. And a guy named Max Lucado officiated the service with me. 
And me and Max Lucado did it together, and we talked, and, and I loved his heart, and I was so moved by his heart. And he asked me, Reuben, what do you want me to share? And I'm like, what are you asking me that question for? <laughs> you share whatever you want. Oh, my word. And we had a great conversation. We exchanged contact information, and it was a beautiful time. There's some memorial services that, I, that haven't been so good. And there's people that have come to me and have asked me, so is my daughter going to go to heaven or hell? Is my son going to heaven or hell? They made some decisions in this world. Tell me where they're going to be, Pastor. And I don't know. That's between them and the Lord, to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know. And other memorial services have been times of celebration. That person loved Jesus. And there was fruit that they loved Jesus. It was evident that they loved Jesus. Have you ever been to a memorial service and they're talking about the person who died? And as they're talking about it, you're thinking, I have no idea who that person was. I never saw that side of him. I never saw that side of her. You know what I'm talking about? Can we just be real? Can we keep it at 100, guys? You know what I'm talking about. You see, and they say all these wonderful things, and you're like, that's great. I didn't know that side. You know what, guys? Let's live a life where everybody knows what we stand for and who we stand for. Let's live that life. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. And then what does it say? The living should take this to heart. See, Solomon is saying, you know what? It's better to hang out with the person who's mourning. Here's, here's, here's the point. Grieving will remind you that life is short. I think it's good for the soul to attend a memorial service, a funeral service, whatever it is. I know it's hard. I know on the surface we don't want to do that and we'd rather go watch the Broncos or whatever it is. And we'd rather not. But it's good for the soul because when you show up, it, 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 it takes you to a deeper place and you become aware that every day is a gift from the Lord. It also reminds you of relationships. You know, grieving can change. The death of, law, of, of, of loved ones can change family relationships. It can change family dynamics. Because that person passed away, all of a sudden you're not hanging out with that side of the family anymore. Or something happened, or, or there's a whole other family that was involved, and you had no idea until the funeral service happened. We have a, we have a part to, to, to say. I, I hear so many times as a pastor, people say something like, if I only had one more day with him. I would say, if I only had one more day with him, I would say, Here's, our, here's our, what we need to take. I want you to hear this. Is you need to make peace with your past. You need to make peace with your past. While you have breath, make sure you're right with others. While you have breath, get past your pride. Get past your anger. Get past your bitterness. Get past your resentment. Get past all of that because life is so precious. There's two types of reactions to grief. Two types of reactions one is we block our emotions. You know anybody who's just blocked their emotions? They stuff it in. They stuff it in. And they keep stuffing it in. And they feel like it's a sign of strength when it's really a sign of weakness. And they stuff it in. Man, this is a big challenge for us. Women will just share their emotions. You know, they'll just, I mean, they'll just share, ladies, am I right? Just say, mm-hmm, just do that. You know what I'm talking about. And that's a good thing. Men, many times what we do is we stuff. 
We stuff. Somewhere along the lines, we said, if I show my emotions, I'm a weak man, so I'm just going to stuff. And it, especially depending on where you live. You live out on the East Coast, they stuff away out East. But one reaction is you stuff. You, you block emotions, and, and, and you, just, you know, just put it all in, and there's a consequence for doing that. And there's another, another way we, we respond to grief, and it's when we're consumed by grief. Have you ever seen someone consumed by grief? It takes over their life. And they're consumed by it, not after one week and not after one month, but after one year and five years and 10 years or whatever long, they are consumed by it. Let me say it this way. You can get stuck in your grief. Have you ever known someone who's stuck in their grief? When you talk to them, what do they talk about? Let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you my problem. Let me tell you what. And you can see they're, they're talking about the same, like a broken record. They keep talking about the same thing over and over and over and over again. They're stuck in their grief. They're stuck in their grief. You know, there's, it's, it's pretty common that there's some stages of grief. Have you ever seen this? There are five stages of grief. You got denial. I can't believe it happened. Right? It's like shock. I can't believe it happened. It's one of the first things that happened. I remember when my, my grandpa passed away, and he was really my first father in many ways. He really raised me. And when I was about seven years old, he passed away and broke my heart. And I remember the night. I remember the night. I can't believe this has happened. He was kind of a patriarch in the family. And then anger. Just angry. that Angry at someone. Angry at at whatever or at whomever or life or even God. And then you have this place of depression where you go to this low place. And then bargaining. And then eventually acceptance. Psalm chapter 23 is a popular verse that's read when there's grief. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. And I love that line, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Some of you know what the darkest valley, and you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to those of you who've been through it. You know what I'm saying? You've been through some dark stuff where you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Have you been to that place where you're wondering, I don't know if God's a loving God. This, there's, this doesn't make any sense at all. You know what I'm talking about? And the way you respond in those moments is huge. Because you could become angry at God. You could become angry at God. Proverbs chapter 14 says, the heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. The worst thing you can do with someone who is grieving is possibly say these words, I know just how you feel. You know, when, when, a, when a husband loses his wife, or a wife loses their husband, I'm not going to go up to them and say, I know just how you feel. I lost my dog a couple of days ago. Or a couple of, I'm not going to do that. So we need to be careful about saying, I know just how you feel. When I hear those words as a pastor, I want to say, no, you don't. Seriously? Do you understand? I mean, no, and likewise, it's the other way around too. I don't know the things that you go through and, and I don't understand all the dynamics and the pain that you're going through. Sometimes, sometimes just being with them, just being with them. I think about, uh, I think about Naomi. She's a famous woman you read about in Ruth 
chapter one, she, she lost her husband and she lost her, her two sons. And this is a Hebrew family. And, and they moved uh, away from Jerusalem, away from Israel to another place. But while, when, while they were there, she lost her, her husband and her two sons. And, and Ruth chapter one, she says, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy on me? Anger. Anger. And what does she do? She says, the Lord has caused me to suffer. The Almighty has sent tragedy on me. And she's so angry and bitter and even angry at God. You know, there's people that stop going to church because of grief. Because something happened in their life that didn't make any sense. So they just stopped going to church or they stopped turning to God or they stopped praying to God because of grief, because of the pain. Naomi reminds us that you can blame God. Psalm chapter 31 David says, have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I'm dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. This passage reminds us that grief affects our whole body, mind, soul, spirit, and we can become so overwhelmed with it that it affects us, our, our, our daily life, and, and, and we start looking at the rest of our life different. Emotions are not our enemy as long as they don't control our decisions. Somebody needs to hear this. Emotions are not our, our enemy. We're made in the image of God, but they shouldn't control our decisions. You need to love someone for the long run. Proverbs chapter 14 says, laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, the grief remains. You ever seen someone who's just working through grief and they laugh? Doesn't mean they're over it necessarily. It's great to laugh. It's a blessing to laugh. It's a gift to laugh. But there's still grief that they're working through. When you come along someone, it's like practicing the Shiva. When you come along someone, don't assume that it's going to be all over in a week or in a month. That person who's working through it could be working through it for years. And you need to just come alongside them and just continue to comfort them and encourage them. Psalm 147 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isn't that good? You have a God who heals. Glory to God. You don't have to walk around with hurt. You don't have to walk around with anger. You don't have to live in that prison God wants to heal you. God wants to, wants to heal your heart. He wants to set you free from that. He wants you to embrace his grace and move forward. You may not understand what happened in the past, but the devil wants to keep you in the past. You know that. The devil wants to keep you in the past. And you have a God who heals the brokenhearted. Psalm 56 says this, you keep track of all my sorrows, You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. Isn't that a good word, guys? Glory to God. Every tear that rolled off your cheek onto your pillow, the Lord saw. Every tear that rolled off your cheek while you were sitting in that car, the Lord saw. Every tear that rolled off your face while you were doing the dishes, the Lord saw. 
I love the words of Jesus in John chapter 11. You read about a time when a man named Lazarus died. Mary and Martha were brokenhearted. And verse 35 says, then Jesus wept. Beautiful, isn't it? He's the resurrection and the life. But he understands the hurt and the pain on this side of heaven. I love Isaiah 53. It says he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with the deepest grief. That's one of the titles of our Lord Jesus Christ. A man of sorrows. He knows sorrows. He knows the weight of sin. He knows the weight of grief. He understands it. In fact, in Genesis chapter 6, you read that God knows grief. Verse 5 says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything that they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Wow. See, God grieves over different things than what we grieve. God looked at all of humanity and saw the wickedness, saw everyone doing their own thing, nobody turning to him, and it broke his heart. And I love this because if you keep reading, there's this one line that says, but, but Noah found favor in the heart of God. Noah found favor. Noah found favor. Here's the big question. Does your heart break over the same things that break the heart of God? That's the big question. That's the big question. I mean, is your heart broken? Does your, is your heart grieved over those who are spiritually lost? Is your heart grieved? Is it just weighed down when you see the church suffer? Does your, is your heart grieved when, when things happen and you see injustice or, or you see a tormented soul? Does your heart grieve over those things? Those are a sign that you are becoming more and more like Christ. In Matthew chapter 15, you, read, you see the, the, a woman who grieved, a mom. It says, a Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. You know, this mom, if she's like any other mom, dads, you know what I'm talking about? There's times in your life that you would be like, you know what, I'll do anything to trade places with my kid. They're going through so much... And they don't have to go through it. But it grieves the heart of parents when they see their children go down the wrong road and there's nothing but pain and suffering on the road they go down. You know what I'm talking about? It grieves the heart of that husband when he sees the wife do the same thing or the wife that sees the husband do the same thing. And you see someone that you love and, and, and their actions will actually create grief. And it weighs you down and you lose sleep and you have no appetite and, 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 and you're mourning and, and they're still alive, but you're mourning. You're grieving over it. Parents can grieve over their children. They can grieve over their children. That's a good reminder for us all. Your actions impact others. Your decisions impact others. Psalm 137 says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. This is when Israel was taken into captivity. They were taken from their, the promised land, and they're now living in Babylon. And you read this, somebody says, sing a song like you did in the days of Jerusalem. Sing a song, sing a song. And they sat there, and they weren't in the mood to sing a song. You ever been at that place where you're like, I'm not in the mood to sing a song. I'm grieving. And the scripture says, they sat by the rivers of Babylon. We sat and wept when we remembered 
Zion. If there's one thing that I have grieved over, I've grieved over a bunch of stuff, but the thing that hurts me the most is when I grieve over past decisions I've made. That, that's hard for me. I'm just being totally legit with you right now. When I grieve and I think about, oh, that, that sin, that decision I made way back when, or that time when I, I could have gone left, but I went right, whatever it is. When I think about those times, I think, oh, and I can get stuck in that past. I can think, gosh, what would, what if, if I would have went left instead of right, if I wouldn't have done that, if I wouldn't have, whatever it is, we can grieve. But here's the beautiful thing about this verse is you have a God who hears your prayers all the way from Babylon. Glory to God. You have a God who hears your prayers all the way from that foreign land. All the way from that foreign land. First Samuel chapter 16. This is a word to Samuel the prophet. Saul had, had, uh, had uh, been rejected as king. And uh, verse, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, then he says two words there. Can you just say those two words out, out loud? How long? Say it out loud with me. How long? Turn to the person next to you. Just say how long. Can you do that? Say how long? How long? Say it one more time out loud. How long? How long will you grieve over Saul? This is what God is telling Samuel. How long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. <laughs> I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. You know which king he's talking about? The up-and-coming king, that's David. But, but the Lord asks Samuel, the prophet, the man of God who's brokenhearted and grieving over Saul, how long are you going to be grieving over him? How long? So you have to understand Saul anointed, or excuse me, um, Samuel anointed Saul. Samuel had some investment in there. And I, I think when we invest in someone we, have, uh, we feel a little bit of responsibility with that. That's why it breaks the parent's heart when the kids go the wrong way. You know, you pour into them. You've invested in them. If you haven't invested in someone, it's easy to be a critic. It's easy. There's no, there's no attachment there. There's no, there's no buy-in. You haven't invested in them. But when you invest in someone and you spent months and years into that relationship or whatever it is, that friendship or whatever it is, and you invest in them... It hurts more. It hurts more. And God is telling Samuel, how long? Say how long with me. How long? I think when you see this, it, there's a lot of things that come up in my head as I look at it. And, and, and God's really telling Saul, how long will you mourn over what I rejected? Mm. How long will you mourn over what I rejected? I mean, God's telling Saul, how long are you going to mourn that I closed that door? <laughs> how long are you going to mourn that I, I, have, I have another plan, but you're mourning over, over the old plan? Why are you mourning over that? Why are you doing that? How long? How long will you be bitter? How long will you be angry? How long will you be depressed? How long will you just stuff up everything? How long will you be in that condition? How long will you be staying in bed? How long are you going to be staying in your house? How long are you going to be living like this? How long are you going to be in this place? Aren't you tired of it? Aren't you, I mean, aren't you tired of being angry? 
Aren't you? How long are you going to be stuck in the past? See, grief can affect your next relationship. You were in this old relationship and there was hurt and there was pain. Whatever it was, something happened. And because you really haven't gotten over it, it's affecting your present relationship. How long? How long are you going to be angry? Sometimes you have an old friendship or an old dating life and, and, and it's, it's God closed that door and, you, and you're grieving over that. It's like, how long are you going to just live in the past? I mean, how long are you going to be checking their Facebook page and, and stalking them? I mean, how long? How long are you going to be looking at their Instagram page and them not knowing? I mean, how long are you going to be living in that state? How long? It's like going to the cemetery. It's walking around in the cemetery every day and you're asking yourself, why did they say those words to me? Why did they reject me? Why didn't they love me? Why didn't I get that job? Why did they look, why did they pass me up? Why did they turn to someone else? Why did I lose that? Why, 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 why? And every day it's like you're visiting the cemetery asking those questions of why, why did it happen to me? Why did that happen? Why did it happen? And it's affecting today and you are grieving over it and it's affecting your present life. It's robbing you from today. God told Samuel, how long, how long are you going to be mourning over Saul? I rejected him. It's holding you back now. How long? Hear this. You have a chance. Oh, excuse me. You have to change the way, you, the way you talk to yourself about the past or you will get stuck in the future. You have to change the way you talk to yourself about the past and you say things about the past, you say things about what happened, about who left you, who hurt you, about that painful experience you went through, about that thing that didn't make any sense, and about that, even that loss of that family member, and it didn't make any sense, and you're stuck back there, and you've said some things to yourself, and you believe the things that you have said to yourself. So today, you're living in this place, you're like, you're like spiritually paralyzed, spiritually paralyzed. How long? You know, let me say it this way. If I just leaned over like this all the time, everywhere I went, and I just walked around like this, everywhere you see me, hey, Pastor Ruben, hey, what's up? I just walk around like this. I wake up in the morning, I get out of bed, and I go like this, go straight to the restroom. I go take care of the dog. I'm going to go have breakfast now. I'm going to go to my work. I'm going to go to the office. I come home from work. Hey, good to see you. It's a good day at work. Yeah, good day. What will happen to me? That's right, atrophy. How long? How long? You hear what I'm saying? How long? Anybody hearing this? How long? Yeah. See, God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. There's a time to mourn, right? There's a time to weep. There's a time to dance. There's a time to laugh. You have to turn that to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to give it to you. You've got to turn it to God. Life is precious. Let me just tell you right now, the person sitting next to you is going to die. Everybody knows that, right? I, I, I tell my kids all the time, they say, how are you doing, Dad? I said, I'm dying. And they get upset at me. Tell my wife, she doesn't think it's a funny joke at all when I tell her I'm dying. I just tell her, how you doing? I'm dying. 
I think it's funny she does, and it's a pastor joke or something. <laughs> but life is short. All of us, all of us, at some point in our life, whether expected or unexpected, is going to have that moment. So you have a chance while you have breath in your lungs to worship God and say, God, I'm going to give this to you. And you don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anything hold you back. Do not grieve like those who have no hope. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says, and, and now... Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Isn't that strong? This is a word to those who call themselves Christians. And the word is this. The way a Christian grieves should be different from someone who doesn't know God. The Christian has hope. Our hope is in the resurrected one, Jesus Christ. We believe in the resurrection and the life. We believe in heaven. We believe in heaven. I'm looking forward to my mansion. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to go to heaven now. It's really funny. Everybody's looking forward to it, but nobody wants to leave this place. It's like, I'm looking forward to it. Whenever the Lord calls my name, it, my breath is in his hands. Incidentally, don't take your breath. Don't take your breath. That's not yours to take. Your breath, your life is in the hands of God. It's not in your hands. And as long as you have breath, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. Horatio Spafford. Know this guy? Know this guy? He was a successful attorney and real estate investor. He lost a fortune in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Another uh, same time, he had five kids, and he had a four-year-old son that died uh, due to scarlet fever. Four-year-old son. He was left with four girls, and he thought, you know what, it would be good for my wife and my four girls to go on vacation to England. So he put them on a boat, and he sent them to England. And while they were on the boat... There was a terrible accident. The ship was lost, and only 200 people survived. His wife, Anna, was one that survived. All four of his daughters were gone. One accident. All four of his daughters were gone. His son died earlier. His four daughters died. And his, his wife, Anna, sent this message. She just sent him, saved alone, what shall I do? So he told her, you stay there. I'm going to get on a boat and I'll meet you in England. And he heads off to England. And while he's going off on this boat and he's set sailing for England, uh, at, at, this, at this point in the ocean, in the middle of the ocean, the captain called Horatio and said, come on over here. And then he pointed to the water and says, this is where your daughters died, right here. And he looked at the ocean and something swelled up inside of him and he grabbed a pen and wrote on a piece of paper this famous hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll
I thought about those lyrics, it is well with my soul. That song, how many times have churches sung that song? I, I can't imagine. Uh, I, I think, you know, when, when he, uh, he, Horatio, he paid a price to write those lyrics. There's something that happens with grief. It takes us to a deeper place. It takes us to a deeper place. And he paid a price. Could he have written that if he didn't lose his four girls? Would he have been able to put pen to paper and write those words? I think there's something that happens. He obviously was a man who feared God. I want to be like Horatio. When the bottom falls out and none of it makes sense, I want to be like Job. I want to maintain my integrity when it doesn't make sense. I don't want to lose my own soul. And he says, it is well with my soul. And here's the question. Is it well with your soul when something happens that doesn't make sense? Is it well with my soul? When I have that wayward child, when I have that spouse that's going the wrong direction, is it well with my soul when I have that relationship that didn't work out? Is it well with my soul when that friend betrays me? Is it well with my soul when I didn't get that job? Is it well with my soul when it didn't work out like I thought it would be? Is it well with my soul? Is it well with my soul? I think our problem is we hold on to things too tightly. We need to hold on to Jesus. We need to hold on to our faith. We need to hold on to our hope because there's times in our life when you're going to have to come to this place and you're going to have to ask yourself, is it well with my soul? Is it well with my soul? I've just gotten to this place where I've just surrendered everything to the Lord. How about you? Anybody else there with me? Put your hands together if you know what I'm talking about. You just say, I'm just going to give you everything, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I don't understand why this happens. It is well with my soul. I haven't talked to my son in years. I haven't talked to my daughter in years. It is well with my soul. I'm going to do everything possible to love on them, and I'm hoping they'll come back. It is well with my soul. Your job is to take care of your, your heart right now. Let Jesus be first. Let Jesus be first in your heart. Let him be first. I think about King David. King David had lost his first son, firstborn's son with Bathsheba. Remember, he sinned against this woman, Bathsheba. She was a beautiful, hot woman, has sex with her. She's pregnant. And a guy named Nathan, the prophet, calls him out. And scripture says, Nathan said, all right, because you committed this sin, here's what's going to happen. This son that your Bathsheba's pregnant with, he's going to die. And you look at scripture, and, and, and David mourns. He doesn't eat and he prays and he grieves and says, Lord, please save my son. I know I made a mistake. 
I know I sinned. And he's mourning, grieving over his own sin. And then they eventually come to him and say, hey, your son died. Your son died. And here's what happens. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20 says, Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went, he went to the tabernacle. He went to church and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. See, I think there's times in our life when, when the question is, how long? How long? How long? And I think the best thing for you to do is get out of bed. Wash your face. Put all your products on so you look good. <laughs> and then go ahead and change your clothes and get out of the house and move on. Some of you need to do that. You need to do that. You've more than how long it's it's you're done. It's okay. The Lord has a future for you. The Lord's going to use everything that happened in your past for his glory. And some of you just need to get out of bed or get out of the house and you need to wash your face and shave and look good and get out and say I'm going to live now. I'm going to live the life that God has called me to live. Some of you need to do that. You know what I'm saying? I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to trust my God. I'm going to live with God. I love the way Paul says it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God will never let you down. God will never let you down. And what you have gone through in life, you'll be able to help out someone else. Glory to God. But you know what? It only works if you get out of bed and wash your face. It only works if you get out of bed and wash your face and put on clothes on and put some deodorant on too and put some makeup on and get out. It only works because then you're useful for God. Then you could turn around and comfort that parent who's mourning over their kid or that pastor who's mourning or that brother who's mourning or that sister who's mourning because then you're able to be used by God. You're useful for God's purpose. Let God use you. He's the God of all comfort. You could turn to that person and say, I know what it's like to lose a girl. Let me help you out, brother. It's all good. God, God has someone else for you. I know what it's like to lose that guy. It's okay. God has someone. I know what it's like to lose a job. It's okay. God has another job for you. You can comfort them and encourage them, but you got to get out of bed and you got to wash up. You got to put some new clothes on. You got to move forward. You got to trust the living God, the God of comfort. Hear this. Grief lives in the past. Hope lives in the future. Isn't that good? Grief lives in the past. Hope lives in the future. That's where grief lives. There's a time. And I want to close with this one verse, guys. And I want you to read it out loud with me. It's Psalm chapter 30. It's the last verse I want to read to you. And I want you to embrace it. Weeping may, oh, let's go. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Let's just practice this. A shout of joy comes in the morning. I want everyone to shout on the count of three as loud as you can. A shout of joy comes in the morning. You ready to do this? One, two, three. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. A shout of joy comes in the morning. You have a God who heals. You hold on to that. 
You, you, you sit with those who need, you, when you mourn with them, you weep with them, you carry, you love on them, you, you encourage them. It's good to be in the house of those who are mourning. It's good. But don't forget the other side. Remember what the Lord told Samuel. How long are you going to grieve over this? And then did you see the other thing God told Samuel? Fill up your oil. Fill up your oil. Fill up your oil. Fill up your oil. <laughs> Fill up your oil. It's a new day. It's a new plan. Fill up your oil. I want to include you on what I'm doing. Fill up your oil. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, fill up your oil. Fill up your oil. Fill up your oil. Glory to God. You have a God who saves. Your God will never let you down. He's with you. He knows what it's like to weep, and he cares about you. I think I'm done, guys. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word, God. Thank you, Jesus. Did you guys check out my new kicks? I want to make sure you guys see that. You guys get a close-up of my new shoes. Can you guys get a close-up of my shoes? Isn't that good? It makes me, I could preach better with these shoes. <coughs> I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Uh, I want to give you a chance to turn to Jesus. Some of you need to turn to Jesus. And this is your opportunity. Others of you, you're grieving. And, and if you're just grieving now, we're going to, we're going to, we want to grieve with you. Others of you are a little bit more like Samuel and the Lord is asking you, how long? How long? I want you to respond in any way the Lord stir in your heart. Anyway, anyway, some of you, you're causing other people to grieve because of your decisions. And you need to go to them and ask them for forgiveness. Some of you, your grieving is affecting your house. And you've been grieving long enough and you're still grieving. And, and you're walking around like this, guys. You're walking around like this in your house. And those in your house are saying, how long? How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? Jesus, we cry out to you, and I'm so grateful that you're a man of sorrows. You know what it's like to grieve. I'm thinking of the Garden of Gethsemane, how you, you, you sweat, and even your sweat became like drops of blood. You know what it's like to grieve. And I'm thankful for that, Lord. I'm thankful that you're the God who heals the brokenhearted. I'm thankful that you're acquainted with suffering and pain. I'm thankful, Lord, there's nothing that we experience in this world that you don't know what it feels like. I want to pray for the person first who's far from you. And if you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you just say this prayer right where you're at? Maybe you're watching online or you're in person. Would you just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. And I turn to you with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want to be a Christian right now. Help me to walk by faith. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me. Others of you, maybe you've been bent over too long now. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you. And maybe it's time to get out of bed and wash your face and put on some new clothes and move on. Others of you, maybe you need to say, Lord, this pain is just so great. I'm going to give to you. 
I'm looking forward to seeing my loved one in heaven. I'm looking forward to that next job. I'm looking forward to that next relationship. I'm looking forward to that next. I'm not going to let my past affect my future. And I want to say this. It is well with my soul. As long as I have you, Jesus, it is well with my soul. And I give you permission to move in my heart. Transform me. Transform me. Change me. Lord, I pray Isaiah 61 over this, these people online and in person. Give them a garland instead of ashes. A mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.